Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Pumped to dive into this one. We've got a lot of news from around the golf industry. Um, Dante, it's December and the golf industry is still a buzz. Um, we had an awesome win last week from Victor Hovland, kind of completing the trifecta of young golfers onto the scene with Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, and Matt Wolf, kind of getting multiple wins now. Obviously, Wolf contending in that U.S. Open, Morikawa winning that PGA. It's only a matter of time before Hovland brings one down the stretch in a major but it was awesome to see him get a clutch win um last week we've got michael jordan news we've got uh you know some awesome work to get into at the u.s women's open coming this weekend so dude for december golf is a buzz right now and i'm i'm all about it dude golf's still kicking like even in the Northeast, if you just did get snow today i mean people are still out there they don't care what the weather is they're going out they're out and playing, man. Our our golf poor is, brethren up in Scranton uh, got is, some uh, snow today, which uh, you know, RIP Yo, to their. They got two inches. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. RIP to their golf season for a couple weeks. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be well. That's the weird. We're in that time where area where it'll snow, you'll get like two three inches, and then weekend will be like sixty degrees. Makes no sense. I'm all about it. If I can keep getting sixty degrees, I'm going to keep on playing. Um, they also had 60 degrees out well hell more than 60 degrees um where victor hovland got his win this past week let's dive into that dude (laughs) hovland is one of those most i think transparent um you know off the cuff kind of players when it comes to his interviews post wins or post any time for that matter he's always so candid about how whether it's struggling with his short game, whether it's being nervous over putts, nervous over shots, he's one of those guys that really doesn't hold much back when telling you what was going through his mind at certain points. And when you look at that putt he had to, had to hole in 18 to take home the win, he ended up canning it, but talks about it after you know the round was over, how he was super nervous and how he's really struggled with dealing with those nerves in the past. It's really cool to see a guy, obviously that young and still learning, uh, kind of shed open the light into what's going on in his mind as you're coming down the stretch at a PGA Tour event. He's one of the, in my opinion, one of the honest and realest golfers out there. He's probably out of all the pros that you can connect more on a mental side of things. It's Victor Hovland. I mean, the guy has said multiple times that his chipping's the worst part of his game. He's literally said, my chipping sucks. I mean, how many times have you gone and played and just said, yo, I suck at this or this part. Like I'm terrible at that. And there's just like the negative words come out, but you, you know, you're jokingly talking about it. Obviously you're out there working on your game and I know he's a pro. So, but it's just funny to see that he's like, and then, you know, I, I suck and this and that, my, my, this part of my game's terrible, but, and like you said, he was over the putt and he was actually completely nervous about it. I mean, that's well, it, real. It's to me, wild that, to me, right? Real. It's wild to me because not only is he dealing with these nerves, he's dealing with a lot of changes too. He's working with a, a new swing coach, Jeff Smith. Um, and, and not just on the swing side of things, he started em- implementing the aim point express uh, method to read his greens. Um, obviously, if you're new to that, uh, you know, it, it, it can be a struggle to understand the percentages and understand the points at which two fingers, three fingers, one finger, and how it all correlates together. And 
I can understand his nerves because he's newly learning this aim point along with newly learning a, a 10 finger grip instead of that interlock grip. There's a lot going on there. And for this man to go out and shoot 20 under um, when, when he's dealing with all these changes and nerves that that speaks to me that he's only on the brink of a lot more good to come. If he's finding this much success this early uh, with all these changes. I mean, like I said, again, it sounds like he's one of us, just he can just score really well and hit the ball a lot better than us. But I mean, there's like what you were just saying right there. There's so many similarities that you can relate to, you know, the average golfer weekend hacker and Victor Hovland. I mean, like you just said, look at all the changes he's trying. He's trying a new swing. He's trying a new grip. I mean, you know, this and that, I mean, look, I mean, he's, he's, he's gone and, changed iron sets multiple times i mean he plays he's a ping uh player he's got he's i think right now he's rocking a full set of the ping i210s and he i've known he's started with now like here's like this is going way back when he was coming on the scene he's had the ping i blades and the ping i i210s i have both sets and from what i saw at one point usually you know the ping I two tens are more of a thicker cavity back, and the ping I blazer I blades are like they look like blades, but not specifically blades. They're they're kind of like the the Titleist AP two S, right? They're they're cavity back irons, um, and then the I two tens are just a bigger cavity back with like a lot like they're they're more forgiving. Um, so the funny thing is, usually if you have a mixed set, you would go you know, maybe the four, five, six in the I-210s and then slim it down to the blades. At one point, he did the opposite. Mm -hmm. He had the I-blades, which are a lot smaller and thinner, and it's four, five, six, yeah, it's four, five, six irons, and then the rest were the I-210s. Then I think at one point, he took that out and swapped them all out for all the I-blades, and now he's back to the I-210s. I mean, right there, then alone, just, I mean, we do that on a constant basis. It's a guy like it's a guy like him that if he was at a local club, we'd be making fun of him constantly. Oh, you can't just pick a set, man. You think the clubs are going to make you better? You know, everyone knows that one guy at their club that's constantly pulling clubs in and out, whether it's irons, driver, three wood, putters, you have it. Um, but I mean, he's found a winning success formula with that. Obviously kind of favoring those I-210s, like you said, but tinkering around seeing what works best and obviously it's working for him man i'm excited to see into the new year into 2021 um you know the setups he goes with i mean you, you even mentioned a lot of the ping stuff he's got a tailor-made sim three wood in there that he's throwing around so he's not just set i mean obviously he he is the ping guy first and foremost but and you're seeing it more and more not just with victor hoblin but a lot of these guys dealing with multiple uh, multiple brands, whether it's tailor-made, Titleist, Ping, they're kind of, I don't know whether it's under the table and they're kind of keep it hush-hush and these guys, these what-in-the-bag writers are, are, are exposing them, but it, it's cool to see yeah. that these guys are really starting to just use the, the products that optimize their chance at winning and not what I would consider Roy McIlroy in themselves, where you sign this death deal and you're, you're closed in with like what Rory did in Nike um, in the late two thousands, you know, 2012, 2013 and 14. And I feel like kind of compromised Rory's ability to win a lot uh, when he signed that major deal with Nike exclusive golf clubs. Yeah, that's, that's the crazy thing. And the funny thing about that, you see the pros that, you know, I see a lot of strict on players there. They don't play the drivers or the woods. But 
they'll uh they'll mark it off as they are they'll just play they'll have the latest Shrixon head cover on top of like a pig driver well and but i think low key low key with Shrixon. Shrixon's entering the the changeable head market the adjustable head market here very soon which i We'll talk about maybe in later podcasts these kind of They're smaller making, brands jumping jumping back into the driver head game. No, nah, Strixon's definitely making more progress, and from what I've seen and the, the stuff that they're coming out with, it I mean, it just looks so good. Like their new drivers look good. I mean, their new iron sets are looking good. So I wouldn't knock Strixon out. I'm just saying I've noticed that a lot of their tour staff players will play the irons, but they wouldn't necessarily see the woods. But I think the funniest thing when you see pros that go off of their staff they're still it looks like if you had the head covers on they're still playing with they're playing with like a tailor-made head i mean it it, it's cool to see because you know they're i get there's contracts and you know there's you know they're getting paid to represent a brand at the same time and you know if you're if you're a player right if you're going out there and playing on tour and your main objective is to be the best in the world and win tournaments. What makes that like, all right, if I'm signing with ping, but not, nothing is ping. And I'm like, all right, I got a 15, 14 club deal with them. I can only play ping. What if there's like a club head that actually looks better up from a, like a dip, my eye perspective. And actually for me plays better. That's a different manufacturer. I'm going it just, to use that club. It just seems like, and and I see more contracts going to this format where they're only signing, you know, eight club deals, nine club deals, where they let that leniency. Because let's be honest, when you pick an iron set, you're not going to sub out an eight or nine iron and just, you know, no. have that. So that, that can pre- stay pretty stable. And, and that eight or nine club deal lets guys rip around different wedges it lets guys rip around different three woods and drivers and it lets guys rip around different putters because we know unless you're like tiger woods where you find the one money maker for your entire career most pros are changing in and out putters very frequently as well mallet to a to a face balance to a toe balance putter and back and forth so these guys are these guys are constantly changing stuff out so i think these eight and nine club deals are going to be a lot more common as these manufacturers continue to improve clubs so much because the guys want that best optimized deal in their bag. Why wouldn't you? You're playing for hundreds and thousands of millions of dollars. You can't, you can't <laughs> pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. And, and I mean, me, like, that's what I would like to see if I was signed with like a manufacturer, if I was like a pro or whatnot is, yeah, I'll sign you for the irons, but allow me to mess with the, because like you said, they usually tend to mess with the woods and, they, and the wedges and putters. And it's got, I think it's cool to see a pro walk around with a mixed bag. Cause again, it brings a pro back to like a reality to like our reality. And it's just kind of anything that you can relate on the same level with a professional player is always, you know, fun to look at and fun to talk about. And it, it, it's cool to see. I mean, we all tinker. I mean, we just had B Mason on here talking about tinker and I tinker left and right. I, I, that's part of the game. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, you talk about, you know, being able to relate to those guys, right? Um, we're going to jump to possibly a, a scenario in which we may never able be able to relate to. Um, and that's Michael Jordan's new, I would, I would call it his new home pad, his new uh, oasis, because this might now be the most exclusive golf club, not only in the country, in the world. I'm talking more exclusive than Pine Valley, I'm talking more exclusive than Augusta. Michael Jordan's exclusive new golf course in Florida. Um, 
called The Grove. XXIII for all you Roman numeral specialists out there. That's 23, The Grove 23. Um, 75 members it has right now, invite only, says he's maxing it out at 100. I think this just became Michael Jordan's new exclusive gambling course, not just golf course resort, but a gambling course. And we'll get into why that later. But what's your first impressions of, of this of this course being built and kind of come to fruition? Because we've heard a lot about it here in the last year or so, but now it's finally open. Um, and, and there's some kind of quirky but cool things going on there as well. Well, if you Google it, if you Google the Grove 23, on Google Maps, it's in Florida, and it's going to take you to like the middle of nowhere. I mean, that's like number one for exclusivity. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, no one around. And what makes it even crazy about being so exclusive is the fact that they have drones. And that's the only thing that I saw of the course because, I mean, it was the viral thing about it, is that the drone delivered, you know, food and beverage from the pro, like from you know, the clubhouse. I mean, is it that exclusive that even those employed can't even see the golf course? It seems like they're minimalizing at all costs, people being able to interact with this course, with this. Now, now it could be a little kind of uh, timing here with the whole COVID situation and trying to keep everybody away from everybody and the whole social distance, distance aspect. But if you look at like, if you're looking at that only a hundred players invite only dude i to me that trumps uh pine valley and augusta national as i think that ranks as the most exclusive golf club in the world well and it seems like you have to be a professional athlete or a very close personal friend of michael jordan to even you have get to. in here <laughs> like there's no like oh hey congressman or congresswoman let's pay this amount of money that this is this is more exclusive than than augusta by far um and in a you know nascar driver denny hamlin uh was kind of say caught saying hey this course is unbelievable it might be one of the nicest courses um you know I've ever seen or ever put foot on now, granted he's a newer golfer, but Ricky Fowler has played there and kind of said the same notions. Um, you know, it's a new golf course, so it's still taking time to grow into itself with the grass being laid and everything. But they're saying this course, especially within the next 20 to 30 years might be one of the most pristine golf courses to exist. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, with Jordan's income and you know, his net worth, I mean, he's definitely be pumping money into that too. And, and obviously he's going to be, he'll probably get, you know, gambling money to pay for a lot of that stuff too, because we all know Jordan loves to, you know, play for money to where you start feeling uncomfortable. So I can see where it's an invite only and depending on who it is, you better want to play and you want to better play, make bets. But I also think that he did it too uh, for only like a hundred members and barely anybody like, you know, it's so exclusive is the fact that I know Jordan likes to play fast. I know he likes to play. I mean, like, I mean, if, a lot of people watch the last dance. I mean, we've all seen it. He said it multiple times. He would play 36 before a game. He's notoriously right. fast player. So, I mean, listen, if I was running a course, if I owned a course and I'm one who really likes to play a lot of golf and play fast. Yeah. I wouldn't want m many people on my course as well. We so talked about this. We talked his... about this last podcast, right, with B Mason. The the detriment yeah. of golf getting so popular and the craze kind of popping back up with COVID is 
rounds are a little slow in the fall time here because people, so many people were out there playing. Dude, um, so many people were getting into golf during the COVID time. And that was like the only thing that you could do. Like, I guess you can say like lockdown per se was the fact that golf was open because it's one of the most social distance activities that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that we had to book tea times two weeks in advance. I mean, we had guys staying up until midnight, like 1159. And once midnight struck, we were on our computers booking tea times from like that following week or almost two weeks in advance. It's insane, which is, oh, it's a oh. great thing for the game, but on an individual level, yo, get the hell away from me. I'm trying to play some golf. I Don't mess with my tea times. Well, and the tough thing is too, with all these stipulations in, it's not just like normal 10 minute increment tea times either. You spread out the tea times. There's less people on the course every day. So it, it is tough. But, and, and I think the other cool thing here, which I wanted to get into is just the golf course design itself. Um, we've talked about this on and off air. There needs to be, um, I think, more of an attempt with new golf courses that are being built at breaking the mold of just nine and nine, right? We've talked about this over and over again of how the, it would be really cool if you could get some like four hole, five hole, you know, maybe even nine hole, but like short course style, something like winter park nine, something like goat Hill, where it just, it it encourages people to get out for an hour and a half, two hours instead of four hours. And that's kind of what's going on here. Um, Course design by Bobby weed golf design is what they called a double helix routing, meaning it can be played in four nine hole combinations or three to six hole loop combinations as well. So, I think that's awesome when you're talking about, hey, I'm an exclusive member here. There's a gap in tee times where I can actually loop six holes real quick and not see a soul. You know, and I think that's really, you know, that might going back to that and kind of like our conversation uh, off camera is the fact that, like we were saying, designing courses that are six hole swings where you go out, you know, like I'm, I'm picturing it now, right? You drive down, you kind of drive down into the course it's kind of like opens up parking lot and then there's the clubhouse and then there's like the putting green in the middle but there's multiple holes that you're finishing into kind of the center of like Mm -hmm. the clubhouse and everything it's like you go out for six and you come back you go out for six and you come back and you go out for six and you come back there's two things that i think is great about that is like you were saying you know if you know, I, I want to go play golf for a little bit, but I only want to, I can only go out for maybe like an hour or so, maybe an hour and 15, bang, I can get six holes in, <laughs> but don't feel like I have to jump around or by the time I get to the six hole, I still have to drive like, or walk like five, 10 minutes all the way back to the clubhouse just to get to my car and go home. And the fact that I like, you know, I, I've done this before, you know, ta- uh, the clocks got pushed back, mm-hmm. you know, on the East Coast, right? So there was times I got out of work early and I'm running and there's still daylight left and I'm running over to the golf course. And I was like, yo, let me, let me get like four or five holes in. Like that's as long as like you can get people out to just play for like a couple holes. I think it's great. And I think you can actually manage a little bit better for those who just want to come out and then you can hit better gaps rather than like, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to wait until these people clear. I don't think I can get you off on one until a while. I don't know. Like, I mean, getting you all the way out to six, there's people already floating around. Well, even that, your options usually have been, I think this is what you're hitting perfectly, the the holes that are right near the clubhouse. 
And I think when you when you implement these three hole loops, these six hole loops on a 36 hole design, you have so many more options of places to go kind of pick and choose where you can kind of pop out, play a quick six, play a quick nine, play a quick 14. Who the hell knows? You know, you can hit those gaps, I think, you know, so much easier. And, and I think obviously gaps aren't going to be that hard to find anyway at a cap of 100 members total but it's kind of funny you, you speak about who might be members there who might not um you know a, a previous masters champ is quoted here saying well i hope i get the invite my wife and i just bought property pretty close um and, and you know we're hoping to be uh within the ropes here within uh within the year or so he says he knows a few members uh, i'm talking about phil mickelson hasn't gotten the invite yet how, how soon do you think old lefty gets the invite to uh to be a member at the grove uh as soon he'll get a me, he'll get a membership at the grove when he reaches out to mj and says i want to play for x amount of dollars those two and might be the most be, notorious betters in the sports world yeah you know, if you want to have a, a black friday match get mj and phil mickelson throwing down some serious cash and throwing like a nice 36 hole grudge match. And you know, those jokers wouldn't want the money donated. Like it has been in years past. They'd no, want that, like that they'd want that out of their personal checkbooks. Correct. Out of their personal che- or cash. They want to bring a nice little suitcase of cash from their right from their bank. MJ would have it flying They'll in, it. flying in with a drone. Yeah. Dude, they can, it would be sick. That's that's when Phil will get his invite. He's going to – well, he'll get his invite when he plays MJ for an amount that Phil is uncomfortable with and Phil loses. I what, taking, taking stabs at an amount Phil Mickelson is uncomfortable with, what do you, what do you think that threshold is? Well, he said it was uh, – I mean, he played Tiger for ten million, but at the time they were, you know, jabbing each other, and it was like, it, it, you know, from you and I, it seemed like it was ten million out of their out of their own bank accounts. It, I w- it's going to be up there in the ten millions if no bank or no sponsor gets involved. It's well, going both to of, be that both of the, both of them are the highest paid individuals um, in their respective sports. So it's definitely, I would say north of that 10 million mark. No doubt about it. 15. Let's call it 20, 20 mil. What do you guys think? That's I want to, I want to, I want to hear our listeners on this one. Cause this is a solid one. What do you guys think the threshold is that makes both Phil Mickelson and Michael Jordan uncomfortable on the golf course guys hit us up at enjoy the walk pod on instagram and twitter we'll put up those polls um guys while you're at it go check out the palm springs golf championships we'll be headed out there january 10th through the 14th um you guys can join us coupon code etw 2021 at checkout gets you 50 dollars off now on the entry fee into the tournament you guys can fly out to california Flights are super cheap right now. Dante and I have already booked ours. We're headed out with our boy Trent Feltz. We'll be flying in to San Diego, playing some San Diego golf while we're out there as well. You guys can feel free to join us in that too. Uh, but big focus on the Palm Springs Golf Championship, Dante. Hopefully going to build this thing into one of the premier amateur events um, 
in the entire nation, uh, playing two days at PGA Stadium course, PGA West Stadium course, which is where the pros play, um, and then another day at PGA Nicholas course. It's going to be some phenomenal golf out there, Dante, and I'm really excited to take this trip and enjoy enjoy the time out there with Trent, with Eric, and all the participants in the uh, Palm Springs Golf Championship. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. I mean, again, we, we get a break from the cold weather. We're going out to the California desert. Never been there. Only been to California once. And that was kind of like the uh, kind of where, uni- no, not universal, Disneyland, is it? There's world and land. Disneyland. That's all I remember vaguely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's, oh, dude, it's just like from some of the pictures you see and whatnot, I mean, it's going to be very breathtaking and it's, it's going to be insane. Yeah, man, no doubt about it. So looking forward to this weekend, though, first, man, U.S. Women's Open, um, kind of taking center stage in the sports world. Not much going on this weekend other than some NFL games. Um, we've got prime time women's golf here in the texas area um if i'm not mistaken and and this is going to be i think one of those one of those awesome opportunities for not just golf but women's golf to take the center stage um in a in a really unique way playing at a you know for the first two days a a 36 hole uh kind of venue where it's two different courses um and then and then filtering it down the one because of COVID precautions and stuff. So it's going to be, this is going to be one of those events to really, I think, focus in on and watch. Cause there's a lot of obviously irregularities because of COVID, but a lot of really good stories coming in to this year's U S women's open. Yeah. They're, you said they're, they're playing on two courses, right? Two separate Play, courses. Playing on two separate courses uh, for the beginning of the, uh, of the event here and then bringing it down to one as we, as we get into the weekend, it's going to be one of those interesting scenarios of like, is it, is, is one course going to play easier than the other? I think, you know, not major championship wise, but we see it in um, you know, the farmer's insurance every year, they play Tory North and Tory South. Uh, one course typically plays harder than the other weather conditions usually get involved in some things can pop up this, that, or the other, but it's going to be interesting. What course plays easier? But, what course plays harder? A major and- though. Why, why do it during a major? I think the only reason I think that's did awesome. It, I think the reason they did it is because they couldn't put a full field on just one course with COVID precautions. Maybe, but I think it's, I mean, you talk about one of the hardest tests in golf, like on the men's side and probably even on the women's side. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the U S open, right? It's the women's U S open. Why not even throw a curveball at them and put them on two separate courses? So now they got to prepare for two courses in less. So it's just like a, it's just a complete, it's like finals crunch time back in college where like, I mean, you probably recall, we didn't do anything up until the week of, and then we're like, Oh shit, we got to figure this out right before the big test comes. I mean, it's just like that. I think, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, you got, you got the USGA. They always love to make it very difficult to the players. Why not throw that on top and say, Hey, you're going to play on two separate courses, have fun with the, but you have the same amount of prep time. Yeah, I think it's incredible. You know, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. The U.S. Open, whether it's the men's or women's side of the ball, is always the toughest test in golf. This only adds to it. What's crazy too is like what you're just saying is, you know, you got two separate courses. You can only prep for so long. You only have so much t- a lot of time, uh, depending on how you like to prep for your your upcoming tournament. 
at the same time, now you got weather coming to play. Like you said, are the courses going to play completely different? Is one going to be a little bit easier than the other? Like, what if it's like a pretty nice day where the wind's still and that, you know, you're on course B and it plays easier and you score better. It's going to come out with a lot of different possible factors of how things can go. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, you know, everyone knows this name in B park. Uh, she's kind of put herself at the top of the leaderboard time and time again in major championships. She was quoted in saying, you know, kind of what you just mentioned, Dante U S women's open golf courses are tough enough to learn one course yet alone, let alone trying to prep for two courses in a very tough conditions. It's a really big task for everyone. Um, it's going to be a busy three days. She's, she's quoted here saying, she's like, I barely practice 18 holes in one day. Uh, you know, for a normal U S open here, I've got to go play two different 18 whole rounds in, in a three day span to get myself prepared and see the whole course. She's like, I was going to play 18 in two days straight, but my body got too tired. So I played nine, one morning, nine, one afternoon, and then 18 in another day. She said, I hope that's enough, but it's not my typical approach. I think it's throwing everyone off their game, which I really actually like going into U S open. Oh yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, I'm excited. I'm definitely gonna be tuning in for that for sure. And I mean, it's Texas too. So like they always talk about Texas golf, you never know what you're going to get. And like the winds can start whipping through. So it's going to be, it's going to be a very tough and very mentally tough for these, for these women out there playing, but you got to stick to your game, stick to your game plan and just go with that. It's uh, interesting, man. There's going to be 156 players, like you said, full field uh, playing for $5.5 million purse this week at the U.S. Women's Open. Um, kind of foreshadowing, too. Obviously, we want to stick to this weekend, but looking forward to next week, too. They go right from the U.S. Open to those who have qualified for the Tour Championship playing in the Tour Championship next week. So they're playing U.S. Open. And then the CME group tour championship next week, this is going to be a grind for these women. And, and, and it brings the question, do you think someone can get hot and win them back to back? No, but I think they can contend. I Not think, too sure about I, I back think to back. I think I'm, I'm taking the absolute opposite route of what you just said. I think whoever wins the U S women's open might not even make the cut at the tour championship. I think it's going to be so grueling, so grinding, so mentally exhausting to win this week that there's no possible way. Whoever wins this week wins in two weeks. In a imagine coming, imagine coming off of a major where you just mentally wiped and you're drained and you're like, usually you take a week or two weeks off some mm -hmm. of like the top players. And then it's like, Oh shit. Now I gotta go play the tour championship in less than a week. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gotta I mean, be think about it. You see, play, man. you know, you finish, you've what they play. Well, they play they play is it three rounds or four rounds they play four rounds right four rounds bro u.s open come on yeah. <laughs> so you come up i know brain fart there you come off sunday and now you got to travel where's it do you, where's their tour championship i have zero clue but i know it's not in texas all right so okay so it's not in texas and so now you got to travel now you get across state lines uh depending on where it is so now you're traveling probably for the day day or day and a half so that puts you at like Monday, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon to prepare for yet another grueling tournament that you're going to have to physically, completely physically and mentally ready for. Like you said, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards yours, but I still think if if you're coming off of a U.S. Opens when you're uh, women's open win, you're going to be 
very confident. Let's talk about course setup here. Cause I think I, I totally agree. There's, there's going to be two parallels. You're going to come completely confident. You're going to complete, completely exhausted. Let's talk about these course setups. You're going to see two different courses this week, Cypress Creek and Jackrabbit. Cypress Creek um, is, which will also be used for the weekend. This is the course that they're going to play the consecutive rounds on Saturday, Sunday as well. Um, it's most notable for its really, really large greens. Um, kind of very comparable to St. Andrews, some double greens in there as well, playing at 6,730 yards at a par 71. Um, and then Jackrabbit, the course where only the people, were, the folks are going to see one time this entire week is playing at 6,558 yards um, with two par fives that are longer than 520 yards. So for these ladies, it's not just a pitch and putt. It's going to be a really tough test, especially if that Texas wind really gets up there and whipping. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. You're seeing most of the top 25, top 30 in the, um, you know, in the women's golf tee it up this week. Um, obviously, I don't think anyone really notable has had any complications with COVID or anything like that. One of the most interesting things to come out of this entire story leading into the women's open is Lexi Thompson's caddy. You've seen this Dante Lexi Thompson's caddy is actually Bryson DeChambeau's full-time caddy as well. What do you think of the link up here? And do you think it might be advantageous for her to put him on the bag? Uh, yes. Cause she already commented that he said, like, I guess his, mathematical skills and how to calculate what shot and what club he, uh, the player needs to hit is just so precise and spot on because, well, we all know and love Bryson. Uh, we know Bryson. Um, she was just, she said that she was just in awe at the fact that his skill set of being able that she, she said, the caddy said, I don't know, play this club, this number, just swing. And she did it. And she was blown away by the fact that she was like the way he can, calculate that quickly and what's needed is just insane so i think if she has him on the bag for the, the remaining of the tournament um watch out yeah it's interesting it's one of those weird things where when the lpga wasn't playing too much uh thompson's normal caddy her full-time caddy uh kind of went off and, and started kevin caddying for kevin chapel in the pga tour um and obviously DeChambeau and Thompson are represented by the same agency. They have the same Puma sponsorship pretty much. Um, it was kind of a no brainer. She said, she's like, listen, we're kind of best friends on and off the course already. Uh, we're very familiar with each other and each other's, you know, personalities. And, and she just, like you said, he is to keep up with Bryson DeChambeau. You have to be a really, really sharp tool, right? You have to be on your game. You have to know your, your ins and outs of yardages and things like that. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how much of an advantage is this going to be for Lexi Thompson, who's always, it seems like gotten right to the edge of winning one of these and just not been able to pull through. So put a, put a big red flag and in a good way on Lexi Thompson and follow her throughout this weekend. Cause it might be fun to watch her win a U.S. open this week with Bryson DeChambeau's caddy on the bag. Yeah, that would be uh that's going to be interesting. I mean, dude, imagine having him on the bag and he just tells you like, he, he, you know, he already has like your data and whatnot and just says, Hey, do this. And it's just, it's like point and point and click. 
it's dude it's just, just I, takes I, a I can't, lot out of I like can't the player it. mentally i can't fathom it right because like think about how much we grind on our own games of finding yardages fi- reading putts this that who, who knows if she's actually going to read putts for her i don't know that relationship on the greens but just from a t and an iron standpoint like imagine just ha- having no thought behind it and literally just needing to swing the club at a direction in which you know it needs to go. It seems like that that alone puts a lot of weight off your shoulders in these high pressure situations, especially major championships. Oh, there's no, no doubt about it. I mean, it, you take that factor out of it, and you and if you can go in there with trust, and you're going into a major championship, I mean, just that's going to take so much off your shoulders that you can just go out and I'm just going to go play golf. You kind of have that. I'm just going to go play golf mentality which is huge in kind of like, um, it depends. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of debates with some, some of the greats and some of the current pros and how they, how they tackle their, uh, their mentality going into a major, whether it's like, you know, this is a major, I need to flat out and just focus. This is a major or this is, uh, it's a major, which is great. But at the same time, it's just another round of golf. It, it's kind of, it's tough. I mean, that's golf too. I mean, it's just tough for you to just try and go in. You got to go in there with the mentality and stick with it. But at the same time, you don't want to go and overpsych yourself out. Oh, hundred percent. It'll be a lot of fun to watch this week. I I kind of, I really want to keep a radar on what the weather's going to be because if it turns ugly in Texas, uh, we could see some pretty high scores, but if, if it stays pretty calm and stays nice, I think we, we could see some really, really great golf out of these ladies down there. Uh, So exciting to, uh, to, tune into that this weekend the u.s women's open guys out there in houston texas um all right man diving into obviously the u.s open excited to watch that um kind of one of the other things that i think we wanted to touch on and and really dive into is this race to dubai it's kind of being i would say not overshadowed but just not really touched upon it seems like within the the local medias and 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 the u.s media is this race to dubai and actually a lot of americans who have a chance to take this crown home patrick reed who's contended for it it seems like every year since like 2015 is in the race again colin morikawa's up there second and third uh closely followed by tommy fleetwood and and lee lee westwood who i think has had this unbelievable resurgence um in his game you know he's kind of turned it back around put a focus on fitness and all of a sudden he's got himself back to like you know mid 2000s form when he was competing with tiger woods um this race to dubai man it it always i feel like flies under the radar until this time of year when they all travel for that last two weeks and, and puts a focus on Dubai in particular, but you know, with this many Americans and and this big allegiance, like we talked about a few podcasts ago with the PGA tour and the European tour, I'm excited to see this many Americans contending for this race to Dubai. Yeah. It's awesome to see. And it kind of goes back to the same conversation that we've had a couple, couple weeks ago regarding the uh, kind of almost the potential merger of the two, two tours Mm -hmm. kind of just intertwining and mixing um the see like different players kind of mix it up with the field and muck it up and whatnot i mean because it seems like anytime you see a, a a pga event it's the same it's just the same routine people and then probably even on the european side of things i know we don't catch much of that because of the time differences but i mean think of that just mixing the two up like that and i think that's what's so great about that is where you you kind of get you know, you get people from the European tour, you get people from the PGA, and now that you're seeing more PGA go into it, 
I mean, there's so much talent across the world that some of the guys haven't even competed against each other. And you really don't know the true test of like, who's the best, in my opinion, if you want to really kind of break it down and, and really think about it, there's, there's other players out there that just haven't been with the Morikawas or haven't played with the Tiger Woods or haven't played with the Phils or the DJs or the Brysons on the European side and vice versa. There's probably, I mean, like we don't follow as much from the, on the European side, but there's probably the Brysons and the Rickies and the DJs on the European side. You got to throw them together and see what happens. So it, it will make for some very interesting golf. Absolutely. So you talk about scenarios, right? With the two weeks to go, um, there's four players that kind of control their destiny that if they win this week, um, it's over, right? They win the race to Dubai. That is the the players that I just talked about. Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, Colin Morikawa, and Lee Westwood. If they win this week, it's over. Done with. Nobody else has a chance. But if they don't win this week, then there's kind of a slew of players that can get themselves into contention all the way down to the top 20. Um, so when you talk about, you know, putting the pressure on, those four guys have the control of their destiny, destiny but if they don't win this week, then it's wide open. So it's going to be exciting to see, and I hope we get to see some coverage of that as well here in the States. But guys, look out for that. Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, Colin Morikawa, or Lee Westwood. If you see the news hit on Sunday afternoon that they've won, you know it's theirs. Um, if not, tune in next week because it'll be a fun kind of wrap-up to this race to Dubai. Um, I kind of like that the race to Dubai, the European Tour, finishes in this December time. Um, I think this is typical for them. I don't think much has changed with all this COVID stuff going on for them as far as when they finish i like it adding a little bit more excitement to this december when we really don't have too much going on here in the states for pga tour golf oh no i i completely agree and then some of the courses that they're playing they're kind of like i've come to the conclusion that winner will always be winner no no matter where you're at it's just do you want winner that's 60 50 60 degrees or do you want winner that's 20 30 degrees obviously we know the answer to that uh we don't even have to go down that conversation but it's very interesting to see because golf is relatively played in the summer, the summer months of wherever they go in the war kind of, you know, in between the, the, the high sixties, mid seventies, right. That's kind of usually your ballpark. And it seems like as, and, and you can see when the PJ, you know, starts their season at the beginning of the year, it starts in Hawaii and then it moves into California and then it starts moving its way uh, East and it ends up in, uh, florida and then it goes back to the uh the west coast and next thing you know it they're all over the place because well it's pretty much the start and middle of summer and majority of the entire united states and world is pretty much on the warmer side of on where they play now you're bringing some of these these events that are played in the junes and the julys to now the novembers and decembers so you're going to get completely different conditions granted it may be warm for them, it may still be in the 60s and 70s, but you still have that kind of winter air ripping through. Mm-hmm. And that's where the weather just constantly changes. And that's where you see sometimes like the Texas where the wind's going to whip in and who knows, Texas can go down to wherever they're at. I mean, Texas still sees some low numbers at times. So like you said, I think that's the coolest part about bringing the golf um, around these, these months of more on bigger events. Like you say, I mean, all these events are, are still you know big to the players but mm-hmm. to a viewer standpoint you're going to see 
a lot. It, you're going to see different golf, even though it's still golf. It's different than what you normally see. Well, we and saw I it down. We awesome. saw it down. Perfect example, right? We saw it at the November Masters. It, Augusta just wasn't the same. Agronomy doesn't allow for the courses to be the same at this time of the year, but it's still cool to see golf this time of the year. Do I want to see it every year like this? No. Cause I want to see these golf courses in pristine prime time spring summer shape, but not going to lie. It's pretty cool with the year we've had to see some December golf and to see some fireworks happen late in December with everything else we've had going on this year. Yeah. And like you said, you don't want to see it. Listen, we all want our normal back. We all want our reality back. Uh, like I want a masters in April. I want to see all the tournament. I want to see the, like we want the Junes and Julys back. Like you said, it, it's, it's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cool to see them. Maybe so like, Oh, you know, it's kind of like a, let's, let's dip our toes in the water and see, you know, how this pans out to where you may be able to see down the road, some bigger events played during this time but you're not going to see it because golf is a late spring, early summer sport. And you played in that season. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, you know, talking about weird years we've had this year, um, golf has lost uh, a great, especially the, the European side of the game has lost a great uh, player and broadcaster. Peter Alice uh, passed away at 89 years old. Um, just to kind of rattle off some stats of, of what Peter Alice meant to the game here uh, before he even became a comment, a commentator, he was an accomplished player in his own right. He turned professional in 1947, won 31 times uh, across the European and PGA tour played on eight Ryder cup teams from 1953 to 1969 uh, went on to obviously uh, kind of have some of the best competitions between the United States and great Britain. He went 10, 15 and five in his Ryder cup play. So rattled off a lot of wins, uh, a couple losses, but a lot of wins as well. Um, he never ended up playing in a U.S. Open or PGA Championship, but he did play in two Masters and 24 British Opens, finishing in the top 10 uh, five times. So he's one of those players that's absolutely iconic, especially on the European side, as we're talking about that race to Dubai and the European Tour. Um, so kind of had to give a nod to him, you know, especially as we dive farther and farther into golf media here and what golf media means to the sport. Peter Alice was definitely one of the iconic greats in the game. Um, I think best known for calling a lot of the open championships um, within the past 30, 40 years. Uh, Got to give a tip of the cap and a, and a thank you to everything Peter Alice has done for the game. Um, Tom Watson saying you've made our game richer and funnier. Um you were the voice of golf on the open championships. Really, really sad to see him go, but kind of just looking back on the history of the game, man, it's guys like this. It's guys like Jim Nance who you never realize um, what you'll do without them until they're gone. And then you got to replace them and say, God, man, guy was iconic. Um, So just kind of got to give a tip of the cap to Peter Alice here. I I know you were saying, you know, you didn't really um, dive into the game too much as he was kind of at his peak and things like that. But man, as, as, a guy that for myself has listened to a lot of the older tapes of, of, you know, us opens uh, open championships and things like that. Um, It's, it's really incredible to see. And just to kind of realize how much impact a a commentator has when you're viewing um, what some of these older championships. Oh yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'm probably going to have to, uh, when we get off, you know, go find some uh, open championship rounds on, uh, on YouTube and, and see uh, 
see greatness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, not to end it on a dull note, uh, Dante, we got to talk about a certain uh, president of the United States getting some absolute smacks in. So, guys, politics aside, please don't take this one way or the other. We just want to talk about an absolute power golf swing. Uh, Donald Trump's golf swing off the tee has resurfaced on the uh, interwebs, I guess you could call it. And I tell you what, number 45 has got some pop in that swing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the man takes, he goes after the ball and for being 78 years old, I mean, anybody of that age, you know, kudos and props to you. I mean, that's the stuff that, I mean, I even know a guy, um, that I play with as well that I play with on the weekends. I mean, he's in his, you know, I think he's, he's in his late seventies as well. The guy you wouldn't even think is of that age. I mean, he's very limber. He still walks 18 holes and he still gets after it and hangs with us, man. And that, and that's something to just kind of like tip the cap. I mean, dude, kudos to you. That's what I look for in, in like on our golf thing. Like I want to be able to hit that age when I shoot down that road and still be able to get out there, walk 18 holes and still go after the ball. 74 years old. And I'm not saying it's the best backswing in the world, but the way he fires through the ball, he makes a full turn coming through. Like you said, man, you know, like we said, politics aside, I don't give a shit if you hate the guy, if you love the guy to appreciate a 74 year old golf swing for what it is and realize, Hey, if I can hit the ball that good or even half that good, but I'm 74, I'm going to be doing something. Uh, I'm really going to be enjoying life at that age. Yeah. And that, and like, again, uh, we've talked about this before golf's about longevity. I mean, it's one sport that you can play, uh, for the rest of your life. It's not something like, you know, you go play other, other team sports or whatnot. And you hit, if you don't go pro or if you don't go to college and that's it, I mean, it's men's league, but those aren't the same. And it's just like, what else can I do? Golf is something you can, it don't matter what age you are. I mean, even look at the pros, there's PGA champion uh, tour players mucking it up with the young guys and contending and competing. And that's, what's so great about golf. There's no I doubt mean, about it. Just Absolutely. No doubt about what it. I love about it. So kudos to anybody out there, you know, that you're up in those, you're still getting out there. You know, I'm tipping the cap to the, to, to the men and women that are out there still walking 18 holes and still getting after it and just continuing and playing the game of golf. Amen to that. Amen to that. Guys, if you want to learn more about Enjoy the Walk podcast, just go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. You can check about our About Us. You can check out the Walker's Creed that kind of defines everything about us and what it means to us to play this game, uh, putting one foot in front of the other and carrying your bag one strap at a time. And speaking of one strap at a time, guys, you guys can join Single Strap Society today. Um, it's presented by Enjoy the Walk podcast uh, for the goal of getting, of getting like-minded together like-minded men and women together who find joy in the simplicity of carrying your clubs on one shoulder. Single Strap Society, you can join it via digital citizenship or physical citizenship, guys. $45 for the joining fee gets you a 12-ounce logo cup, a 3-inch sticker, a 25-count of Western Birch Tees, some of the best golf tees in the game, and it gets you an Enjoy the Walk and Single Strap Society logo tour towel from Winston Collection, as well as access to members-only merch for a discounted fee. Guys, check it out today, www.enjoythewalkpod.com slash Single Strap Society. Join today and get your welcome kit before Christmas. Dante, 
what do you think, man? That about wraps us up for this week. We've got some exciting interviews um, kind of on the on the precipice here for folks next week. We've got uh, Delaware State Golf Association director. We've got uh, some some female golfers out in the San Diego area. We're looking forward to interview. It's going to be an exciting time here before we turn the page on the new year and dive into the Palm Springs Golf Championship in January. Yeah, it's it's going to be cool. Um, awesome to get, you know, the female's perspective of the game. It's awesome to even get what I'm excited about is kind of like our local area organizations and how how they're going, how they've dealt with COVID, how they're continuing to deal with COVID, what they're planning on to the new year, um, anticipating, you know, it's coming back to a reality, um, getting things back in full swing and, you know, planning some golf. I love, you know, you don't really dive much into, you see the tournaments, but not many people really go uh, and take it, you know, take a step back and really see what goes into planning all these tournaments. And I know for a lot of these organizations, it's probably been very difficult for them planning current tournaments and even stuff in the upcoming the beginning of the year of 2021. There's no doubt about it. I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, whether it's the the gap events, whether it's Maryland state golf association events or Delaware state golf association events. Uh, I'm interested to dive into what planning for 2021 with all this uncertainty looks like uh, and what it's going to hold. If we're going to see the same championships that we're typically used to seeing, you know, your state AMs, your state better balls, this, that, and the other. Um, it's something we can relate to. It's something, you know, we participate in. So I'm, I'm excited to see what this is going to look like for all of our local organizations and uh and how people can get involved yes sir awesome guys well that's it from us this week as always uh carry your clubs enjoy the walk if it's warm weather near you i hope it's not snowing uh tag us in your photos tag us in your pictures uh, let us know where you're playing and enjoying the walk near you at enjoy the walk pod as always guys thank you so much for listening and until next week enjoy the walk One shot at a time.